You're listening to the Around the Lens podcast, the home of high-quality, roundtable, visual journalism discussion about the news, topics, and gear related to our career field. Now, here's the host of our show, David J. Murphy. Hello and welcome to Around the Lens episode 223. Around the Lens is a roundtable panel discussion podcast where each week a group of visual journalism professionals discuss the news, topics, and gear related to our career field. Our regular panelists on this week are Travis W. Keys, a freelance portrait, fashion, travel, event, and humanitarian photographer based out of New York and chairman of the APA New York. Hello, Travis. That's a mouthful. How are you doing today? <laughs> Did you hear my little southern twang I just threw in there? Yeah. Ah, live does things to you. Anyways, glad to have you here with us, buddy. Uh, our other regular panelist on, uh, returning again as always this week, is Evelyn Hochstein, a freelance photojournalist based out of Washington, D.C., but currently in Pennsylvania. How you doing, Evelyn? I am good. I, I need a little change of scenery, so I escaped to the country, and uh, I'm doing good. Hanging in right. there. Hunting turkey, right? Or protecting the turkey. Well, I'm not. I know. I, I'm... I'm taking walks hunting for mushrooms but i am out it is t- turkey hunting season that's for sure out here awesome uh our guest panelist this week is lauren crew uh, she is an artist who specializes in photography hello lauren how are you good morning doing well how are you yes good morning all the way in los angeles there so bright and early at 5 30 how you is <laughs> hope you got your coffee or five o'clock now or six o'clock now, i do i should say i that's do that's great that's great yeah. All right. Well, I am David J. Murphy, a freelance photojournalist and documentary filmmaker based out of South Korea. Again, thank you all panelists for being here today. It's so great to have you. Let's get on with the show. Our first topic this week deals with homeless photography. Now, of course, COVID-19 has been in uh, all the news and it's been the topic we've talked about almost every week since it became uh, basically a pandemic and uh, has really affected all of us. But I think it's affected probably the homeless more so than anyone because, you know, the advice we tell everybody is, you know, stay at home, stay at home, shelter in place, don't go out. But there's a large group of people who don't have that um, opportunity. And so, you know, we have now homeless photography as sort of a, a topic of this story. And, you know, again, I would say documentary of homeless people in general is something that you know if you've grown up if you've done visual journalism in your career it's probably a subject or a story that you know when your professor or when someone told you hey go find a story this week you know homeless people are just a sort of automatic if you will i know when i was in syracuse going to syracuse you know going to syracuse university it's it's one of the stories that i did while i was there just because again homeless people by themselves make for a for a dynamic subject um, so let's talk a little bit about the story that I, I linked to this week, you know, in terms of homeless people surviving during COVID-19. Then we'll get into a little bit more of a sort of general discussion about homeless photography in, in, in general. Um, I'll throw it over to, as we always do on our show, we always throw it over to our guest on the first topic. So Lauren, what are your thoughts on this story and homeless photography in general? I feel sort of, I have like, I feel conflicted a little bit. Um, on one hand, I think, obviously, telling stories is important, um, but at this point, in of all we know about our tools, 
um, I think it's just really important to think critically about the intent of the story we are telling um, and the intimacy, like peel, really peeling back the layers. Um, and so what I liked about this photo essay was that it felt layered. It didn't feel like a surface approach at telling the story. And I think that's sort of been my conflict with homeless photography is that like it, it, it has that voyeurist. Sometimes there's that like street photography vibe of did you talk with this person? Did you get their permission? What, are, what is the goal here in this photo? Um, and again, it just sort of like, the reason I feel conflicted is because I do think it's very important. Um, and yet, I think it's a, we have to be sensitive and really mindful about how we approach it. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, let me ask you, Lauren, you're, you're more of a photo artist and, you know, again, a lot, saw, a lot of stuff I saw, at least on your website, you know, is like portraits and mm -hmm. sort of, you know, artistic takes on um, subjects. Have you ever have you ever done anything with homeless people in any of your work in the past? Um, I think he said you kind of cut out at the end. Have I ever done, any, done anything with Has, have homeless people ever been a subject in your photography in your career? Um, yeah, actually, like when I first started out, I was living in, in the Bay Area. So naturally, um, when I would be walking around with my camera, that that's what would happen. But it actually started when I was an undergrad in Seattle. And by way of photographing homeless people, I learned about my approach at portraiture. Because I learned the hard way of just sort of stealing photos. And um, I'll never forget a man in this park in Golden Gate. No, wait, it's called Golden Gardens in Seattle. And there I was, like, early 20s, just taking pictures of whoever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And I took a picture of this man, and he kindly confronted me and was like, listen, you have to ask. Like, and we had this conversation, and I, I ever since then, that sort of set the tone for how I was going to approach anybody that I was photographing, homeless, portrait, anybody who has my permission, whatever. But uh, it's, I have photographed homeless people in the past, and I've also produced on projects uh, with other photojournalists. You know, you bring up uh, an interesting point with regard to permission. You know, do you, do you think that permission should be given? And if it's not given, then do you not photograph something? Or do you not publish that work? You did photograph it? Uh, wow, yeah, that, that's another one. Um, I don't think there's like a, a yes or a no. I think everybody has a different approach. I know everybody has a different approach. Um, I, what, what I feel comfortable with to create what I like to create, I need to get to know somebody. Yeah. And even if it, that's just a, um, an acknowledgement of each other or an introduction of names and or just a feel of the energy. Like sometimes I will, I will investigate by way of just conversation. And sometimes I don't. I end up like wanting to not take the photo. Right. So uh, for me and my process, yes, I think it's very important to get permission. However, I think some of the greatest street photographers who shoot from the hip, who capture the the authenticity of the streets. Uh, do I think they needed to ask for permission? No. You know, like, it's just, it's it's for different, I think, attitude 
uh, and intent is kind of where I come down to for everything because if you're if you're a dick walking around just like oh I, don't, I can shoot whatever I want and someone has said like hey please don't and you do ah yeah then I have a problem with that you know and I have and I know people who have that approach before and are like whatever I can I can do it it's it's the street you know um, you know and you're and I you oh. can't knock them but it's like it's just not my way you know. Yeah, Evelyn. Lauren, Sorry, I go on. You, no, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I, I was just trying to say I think you make a really good point about attitude and intent because, I mean, I come from, from the photojournalism world, but there's an mm -hmm. expectation that anyone outside in public is fair game, but if you're in your home, you have an expectation of privacy. Well, if you're homeless, you have, therefore, I suppose, no expectation of privacy except the street is your home. So those are probably important barriers to respect or gauge or figure out and I think you made a great point about street photography and and like just purely documenting a scene um, but you know I think attitude and intent probably plays a huge role in how compelling the image is so sure. if you're not connecting with your subjects or you're just shooting something because someone because they're homeless or something yep. that seems shocking or whatever whatever reason draws you to take that picture you you know you think this is an ill a societal ill that needs to be addressed and 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 maybe your tent is good, but you don't establish rapport or relationship. I can't imagine that your work would even be that compelling to connect with it because, sure. you know, these aren't new subjects. Um, exactly. And, I, and, and Dave, like the premise um, of is it exploitative? I mean, I know it's not your article or it, it's not nothing that we anything that we do to document could inherently be exploitative and to be good at what we do or be good journalists or good documentarians or good artists, um, you know, to produce a body of work that resonates with people, I think, um, you know, doesn't probably work that well. You've, you've got to invest and, and take the time. I think it's amazing. And, and often those aren't, those kind of images, um, I, I don't know, I was going to say something broad about that, like maybe the person's not identified or maybe it's a wider shot, but that's not always true either. But um, yeah, I don't think the premise of just saying I'm going to photograph homeless people, I don't think that it's inherently exploitative. I just think it's how we do it. Because any subject we do could be touchy. Somebody could be losing their farm or on food stamps or a number of, or have a health issue or whatever sure. it may be. Or have a kid who has autism. You know, whatever the subject matter might be. Um, well, so, and, and yeah. when you bring up a good point where it's like, yeah, these topics aren't new, right? And so that's what I was saying earlier is like, so we have to not be new at how we approach it, right? Like we're we're adults now. We know how to become how to connect, right? And for me, um, when I was younger, I would sort of it was natural to 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 document what you saw, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that was homelessness, and yet what was so lacking in those imagery was any sort of intent or any sort of connection. And that to me, so sometimes when I see that work, I, I immediately trigger back to my to student work, right? To that, like, you're not really peeling back those layers quite yet. Um, and for me, where I'm at now is like, I'm not trying to show, I've, I've done work in refugee camps and um, I grew up in the 90s where it was like Sally Struthers infomercials about uh, refugees and starving African kids with flies on there. I just remember that imagery and I remember how shitty it made me feel. And I guess that was the point to like donate. But 
fast forward to being an adult, being a photographer, being in a refugee camp, my whole goal was empowerment. These people don't need our sympathy, right? And so, and respected. And so that's kind of now been the projects I gravitate towards when it comes to something like homelessness. Tell me about yeah. them. Show me the death. Get involved, right? Like, don't just take the picture, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Uh, Evelyn, how about you? What, what has been your experience uh, documenting, you know, homeless? And also, you know, again, when we talk about exploiting groups, I, I, I focused on that because the homeless, I would say, are in a more vulnerable position. But you could probably apply that sort of vulnerability to many different groups, like perhaps, you know, people who lost their home in a hurricane or, you know, any sort of area that's having death and destruction. But, you know, again, homeless, I think, are, are more susceptible and prone to that, which is why I brought the um, exploitative aspect uh, but again, you know, uh, Evelyn, what's your experience, you know, documenting uh, homeless people? Yeah, I, fortunately, I, unfortunately, I lost the first bit of what you said, but I think I got the gist. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, I'm sure in my career I have, yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, there's nothing particularly stand out that I can think of that I've covered, although certainly um, I can, rec- like Michael Williamson of the Washington Post does a lot of work covering homeless people in the area. I don't know in D.C. if I've done a lot, but I, I've lived, you know, I lived abroad for so many years, so I was seven years based in Nairobi and living without homes there, probably more in, like Lauren was saying, a refugee situation and things right. like that, or victims of war, people who are forced to flee from their homes. Um, so I would say the bulk of my career has been spent um, doing that kind of work and homelessness in the United States. I haven't spent a lot of time documenting. I know in college, um, certainly when I decided I wanted to become a photojournalist and I didn't go to a photojournalism school so that's like a very obvious thing for any young photojournalism student to easily you know pick up on and want to photograph and I did do some work in college um, uh, for our like college magazine on that but not so much in my prof- I can't speak to it very much in my professional career although I you know obviously see it a lot it's just not something I've, I've focused on specifically here in the United States yeah you know, again, I was equating, I mean, you just, you, you know, you nail the, the nail right on the head there, you know, in terms of it's not just about homeless people, it's about any sort of disadvantaged group, you know, are we coming in, you know, of course, that goes into other topics like, what are the, uh, like tourist photography, I guess, where you're coming into an area, you're taking your photographs and you're leaving type mm-hmm. thing. But again, that's a, a topic for a different sure. day. Um, what about you, Travis? But it's a, it's a universal theme, which I think is what you're yeah, hitting yeah, on, absolutely. And, and Lauren, too. I mean... All of this, it's like how you use the tools. And um, yeah, so anything could be. But um, And I think it's, let's keep document. I mean, it's a huge problem. Yeah. And for Californians, I mean, my goodness, I'm always shocked when I come to San Francisco. So I think there are always new ways to shine light, uh, shine a light on, uh, on an issue and, and find a way. And it's important to shine it in a way that is compelling because you can get tired. I mean, just like we walk down the street, you may not even look at the people sleeping on the street, you know, because you see them all the time and it's terrible or you don't know how to react or you just turn a blind eye. So um, it's like a catch. It's certainly. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a good point about, you know. Pictures do not. Yeah, I mean, documenting this stuff shines a light on it, right? That's that's what we say in terms of, you know, the impact of what we're doing, right? It's, It's raising awareness. But could it ever be perceived as exploitative or is there a, 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 sort of group that would exploit uh, a subject matter for some sort of gain or is it always going to be or should it you know it should always be i guess 
puritanical or um, not, you know, pure in nature. But, you know, could someone exploit a group to necessarily uh, gain, I don't know, attention in their work? Could that be something yes. people like people like I want to go <laughs> like to the, the I want to go to the hard the areas to, to cover, uh, you know, the, the desperate people because I want to get a leg up in my career, you know? Um, I, I I actually feel like kind of charged about that on some level. So I'm going to I'm just going to say yes. Yeah. And leave it there. Well, I want the no, juicy details, it. Lauren. <laughs> yeah. Well, Name no, names. I just mean like no, I'm, just I'm well, <laughs> never. Uh, no, I guess I'm just saying like I think that's been going on for many years. You know, I mean, especially yeah. within like black hip hop culture. Like if you if you date back to like the '90s up until shit like three five years ago, like every photographer that photographed. So there's that, right? And and that. That isn't necessarily, again, how are we going to extract everyone's intent? You just can't. The images are received or maybe just like getting, I think it just over time, we just were sort of like, well, where's where's our gaze? It's the same with women, right? Like, where's our gaze? Why, why are only men telling this story? Or, you know, so whether, but but you can't like blame people for, for being attracted interested in something they don't know much about you know what i mean like so it's it's a really fine line that's why i don't really speak on it too much because i am charged about it but i but i know that generally if i'm charged about something it's usually because it's triggering something personal right so it, it's um it's i think it's just more about from my own perspective of like the many years of, of trying to knock at the door to get work and then like seeing like oh god they hired that guy again they hired that you know like that kind of thing so it, it's a, it it hits a person yeah no i think i think we're definitely inherently um, interested in groups that we don't uh, necessarily you know uh align ourselves with you know the majority of us aren't homeless the majority of us yeah. aren't nuns or you know whatnot sure. like again that's another exactly. group that's like hey when they're seeing nuns playing basketball that's inherently interesting right um let me throw it over <laughs> you travis you obviously you're you're in and around new york city one of the biggest hubs for homeless people, I would say, uh, probably in the country, you know, has they, have they ever been a subject that you've uh, aimed your camera at? Um, obviously I've lived in LA, I've lived in New York and I've been around um, plenty of other places that have a large homeless population and being yeah. a photographer. Um, I think it's one of those things when you start out, there's certain things you do when you're starting out as a photographer. And one of them is the easy access and shooting a homeless person. And I don't think you understand the gravity of it or what you're doing and how you're doing it. And uh, I, I'm not a fan of people shooting homeless. And I, I think it's invasive unless you're doing it with the sole purpose. Like I think what's happening with the COVID situation. And that's a, that's a new story. That's something is how are they dealing with it on the street? How are they getting healthcare? How are they, this, this is, you know, if, a seasoned journalist or someone that has a true intention of a story there to go in and shoot that and work with those people and get those images. That's an important story that needs to be told, but to take an advantage, you know, take advantage of someone that's sleeping on, you know, the side of a street and take a picture of them because, Oh, it looks, you know, this way or that way, or you feel like you should post it. Uh, that That's always annoyed me. And it's always, you know, um, I think been invasive. I think it's, it's cruel. I think it's, you, you, you may think you're helping. You're not. It's, 
the heart and empathy of this person. If you want to go sit down and talk with them and really get their story and shoot them and get a portrait, you know, there's plenty of people that have done things like, oh, I'm going to take them for a haircut and a wash or something like that. If you're going to, you know, try and do something and be a part of their lives and uh, move the movement, but just to take a picture of it and put it up for no reason whatsoever because it was there. It's uh, that's a tough one, and I don't. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I know people will do it, and uh, people are like, well, street photography. Well, you know, it's not quite the same to me. It's uh, so it it does bother me, but I think there are reasons and reasons that we should do it, and when to do it, and how to do it. So, just like anything else that we shoot. Yeah, I think if you can get yeah. buy-in. And just to follow up on that, real please. Oh, go no, on. Please. I was just gonna say, just to follow up on that, like I so agree in it. And the, the energy I just got from you, Travis, is that, yeah, it's just, like, it's tough. I think maybe that's age. I don't know. But I'm just, like, come on, guys. We've, we okay, next, like, go deeper. And or move on. Shift your gaze to something that you actually connect with rather than just see. Yeah. Right? Like, um, we all see it. Then what? <laughs> you know yeah well what, what I like about this story here by Jung Ho Kim he's the photographer and writer of the story is that it's not just about the homeless people it's also about the groups and organizations that are trying to help them so it's a well-rounded story that covers multiple angles and it looks like you know from my perspective at least that the photographer you know has working not working with but you know has got the buy-in of these people you know he's got their names he's got their ages so he's obviously engaging with his subject matter it's not like the exploitative photograph, like you were mentioning, Travis, of maybe someone desperately is trying to go to sleep on a park bench, and you're like, oh, that's a pretty shot, and you get that picture, and you don't care who that person is or, or why they're there or what their story is. So it seems like, obviously, he's trying to tell and, and flesh out a fully developed story, which is, I think, the way you need to approach it because, you know, like you said, homeless people aren't going away. They, they're they a, a, a stat, you know, a part of our world, and so, you know, again, there's that striking that right balance. Yeah, just to jump in there though, just very quickly. I mean, it's 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 sort of a catch twenty two because at the same time, you know, I do I believe street photographers should ask for permission and great great scenes of people walking or you know doing stuff like that. No, some of our greatest photos were of of just random moments on the streets, uh, and uh, so it's a hard line to walk because what makes one better than the other, or what you know what makes one right more than the other. But I think when someone's at their lowest and uh, and truly like it, it, exploiting someone's situation, you know, I think street photography is can be a very fine line in exploiting people. And uh, I think when you're exploiting a homeless person for gratification, that's that's the line that I don't want to cross. Yeah, I hear you. All right, any other points before we move on to our next topic? Okay. This is very quick. I feel really. Wait, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Oh, my last point is I totally forgot. I did do a story on homeless people, oh, okay. and it's on my website. So I just thought somebody's gonna. I don't know if someone, one of our listeners, ever looked at my website. They'll be like, "What was she talking about?" So I did, in fact, do a story for the Washington Post about people living in in uh, storage units, and I can't believe I blanked on that. So it's a long, a long career. A lot of things to remember. Yeah, I'm gonna say I can understand. Yeah, right? I know. I was like, this didn't feel right when I was thinking about it, but I just it didn't come to mind right away. So there you go. Next time. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, yeah I, did, I did my one story in, about homeless people when I was in Syracuse at Syracuse University. It was a great story. But again, I got full buy-in from the, the person we sat down, had yeah. a conversation. You know, I said, hey, I'd like to do a story about you, your life, how you live, uh, and hopefully, you know, how maybe you're pulling yourself out of homelessness, right? And he was totally on board with it for one day. And then he never got in touch with me again. So, 
I'm not trying to say homeless people are flaky, but no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you know, again, I would have loved to have delved more deeply into his story, wow. but you know, we just lost lost touch. So, but he was a very interesting fellow. Anyways, moving on to the second story this evening, we're talking about the DJI Mavic Air two. So DJI Mavic Air came out, uh, I think I want to say 2018. I want give or take. I, I could be wrong about that, but it was a wonderful camera, wonderful drone. It was really revolutionary for the time because you know it could fold up. You know you could stick this little drone into your camera bag, and now it's a dispensable part of your toolkit, just like a, a, a zoom lens, right? You throw that up there. You want to get for different shot, different angle. You know, obviously pending. The, the rules and whatnot. And actually, if you're interested in the legal aspect of drone flight, especially in New York City, I did an interview with Robert Roth, which you can find on our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash around the lens. Throw a buck us, uh, to us over there and get everything we do about a week early. Anyways, great interview with Robert Roth. Talked all about um, drones, flying them, and, you know, essentially like if you're going to break the law to fly a drone in New York City, well, you better prepare for the consequences. Doesn't matter, you know, necessarily the um, what you're trying to do with that footage, or you know, your what you're trying to do in terms of bringing a story to someone. You know, you you're still liable for the laws that you break, no matter whether or not you agree with them. But let's talk a little bit about this drone specifically. It's the Mavic Air 2. I'll go over some specs here. It's got a 48 megapixel sensor, does 4K 60p video. 34-minute uh, battery, so uh, definitely a step up from the, the previous Mavic Air. Uh, we'll throw it over to you, Travis, first, because you, you like your toys. Uh, what do you think about this, boy? I have a real love-hate relationship with DJI. Um, every time I'm saying I'm never going to buy no, one of their products, they come out with another great product. Um, and it's not because they I, I say I'm going to buy their product because of the product. It's because their customer service is some of the worst in the industry, and trying to get someone on the phone and deal with your things has been such a nightmare. I know they offer a pro support now and stuff like that. But uh, um, I have had every DJI from the Phantom 1, 2, 3, 4. I've had uh, you know the uh, Mavic Air version 1. So seeing this one and the specs on it, are pretty impressive. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great tool. It's an amazing tool, and those airs are uh, incredible because literally, where I used to have my Phantom and, and carry a separate backpack, you know, and a camera bag, now that one little drone will fit in your camera bag. So the access to tools and getting shots and stuff that you didn't have before suddenly becomes you, you become this huge production crew where you can throw a gimbal and a, and a drone and a camera all in one bag, and you can do things that took huge productions you know you, you know they had to lay down dolly tracks and helicopter shots and you can do all of that in a bag which is really impressive so every year they come out with like oh, i'm not i'm gonna wait you know the next generation can't be that much better i'll stick so with mine they actually improve every year and you said darn it i want to sell my last one and get my new one so you sit there and go well maybe the uh, mavic 2 pro will come out or mavic 3 pro will come out should i you know come out so often like do i wait a generation or do i buy the next one but I, I have it, and uh, they're they're incredible. They really are. The the problem I think we have now is is that uh, people should a be licensed to fly them. Um, uh, people should take responsibility for them. There should be insurance, like a car, on these things now. Um, there has to be responsibility for using them improperly, like a car. So uh, they're, they they're not toys. And when you know masses of people are sold them, like you know, like a Hot Wheels cars, that's when we run into problems. And uh, you know, if someone wants to put it up in the city, they should be held accountable because they can cause serious damage to someone or a car or a person. 
Yeah, no, I think what you were saying about how, you know, there's a new one coming out all the time, right? I think drones, especially the ones by DJI, because they do such a great job with their drones, they're going to turn into the next action camera, right? You know, because it's like I have my DJI Mavic Air. It works perfectly fine for me. I'm perfectly happy with the 4K 60 or 4K 30 video that I get out of it. I don't fly it enough to necessarily need it for all the time. And, you know, unless I'm making money off of it, I'm not necessarily going to be in need of you know making that advancement. And so I think for probably the subset of people who are just casual drone users who, again, find it more and more difficult each day to fly a drone, they're going to treat this like an action camera where they break it out every so often, maybe. Like, I've got a Hero 4. It works for me just fine, you know? I mean, maybe I'll upgrade in another five years. I don't know. But, um, yeah, that, that's kind of where I see it. getting smarter smarter and better all the time so they're putting you know starting to put in these great safety precautions like you know the geo fencing and th where you can take off where you can't take off so it'll limit your drone like if you're near an airport or you know something it won't let you but, uh you know now they have obstacle avoidance you know so at the front and rear and side obstacle avoidance so they can avoid objects um and they're getting almost basically they fly themselves and in fact you can have them you know with dji software put a little green box around yourself and it will follow you it literally will follow the subject and it does so they almost fly themselves which is really impressive so they're they're incredible tools and they're getting easier and safer to use so on a that these things are going to be uh, just fine <laughs> yeah absolutely uh lauren you know obviously as a photo artist i'm sure you've thought about maybe drones in, in terms of your work perhaps Obviously, you've got some very nice abstract work on your website. Uh, what are your thoughts on drones in general, and, and what do you think about this drone in particular? Um, drones, man. Uh, not the most technical. Uh, <laughs> like, I, when, I, when drones first came out, I hated them. Hmm. Um, I hated them because, and, and here's what's wild. I hated when I saw them because I thought, who the hell is taking my picture without my permission type thing, right? And then yet when I'm watching a film, I'm like, oof, gosh, like I can't wait to use one of those. You know what I mean? So it's like this weird dual experience with, with them. Um, a love-hate relationship. I, it's a, it's a love-hate, but I... I but on that, they, they get a really bad rap for that because a, most of them to this point have never had a zoom lens so it's like this massive shot that you're like a speck in the sure universe. i know and i know that if you know i would get a better shot off my camera phone and they're more invasive than a drone will ever be listen at the end of the day i i'm an image maker so anything that makes an image i'm interested right. in and um and anything that gives a different point of view to help tell a story to help uh, enhance something I'm super into. Um, again, I have no desire to learn how to actually use one, but I have all the desires to work with people who are obsessed with them and who can help me execute a vision that I have. So, for example, a goal of mine is to direct music videos. I will 100% I will need some drone shots in those compelling music visuals. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in working. Again, I love collaboration. So to me, I see it as like a bigger crew, no pun intended. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> the Lauren crew. That's your company right there. 
your, your music video production <laughs> yeah, no. company. Uh, but, you know, looking at some yeah, of your um, uh, work in your feeling section of your website, of your portfolio, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of shots here that I think could have been either, you know, done with or enhanced by drone work. I mean, you've got some wonderful vistas here. Here's Morocco, um, Paris. I mean, this looks like, I don't know what this is. It looks like a bunch of locks. But again, you know, it's got that same sort of aesthetic of like a top-down look. So I think you could definitely yourself make some, some neat imagery if you had yourself a drone in your hands. So, well. I'm sure, yeah, like it's it's almost like since we're all like at the end of the day we're all like obsessed and sort of nerdy about what it is we love right so if you put something in my hand <laughs> and was like here here's how you do it like i'm sure travis could could like uh gateway drug me with a drone oh easily and quickly and that's probably yeah. one of the things about a dji drone is literally within us like a minute you would have that up and flying and feel comfortable flying it uh and uh it that's what's so and do wonderful you see the imagery when it's doing it yeah you're actually watching it live you see everything as it's happening so you can put these things a mile away and still see the live video feed so, so it's wow i have no desire for like to not be with what my subjects if that makes any sense what's what's incredible is like it puts the camera in places where you can't go like say you know over water and back towards you i mean you can sure put the, that i love and that's what's so amazing about this is it literally is it, it's a camera that you can place in places that you either even consider walking to or that are too dangerous that uh, you can shoot back have perspectives that you could have a perspective of being on a 10-story building uh, out being in a field, which you couldn't get that viewpoint with a normal camera. So it, it, it enhances your camera tools to an nth degree. That's that's what's so fascinating and wonderful about the tool. And not just a mile away, well, Travis, okay, but so 6.2 miles away. <laughs> there of course, you, you go. got keep line of sight. But, well, uh, and you want to know what's, what's wild is, like, since we're in quarantine, right, like, I've been noticing I'm photographing, like, every flower in L.A., <laughs> And the other day, I was like, right now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like photographing like three. I was like just so involved in the way this flower was just like moving in the wind. And just now, as you're saying, like you have access to places you can't go. I'm like, yeah, I just want the drone right in front of me at the flower. Like I want it in that that like ether that I can't get in. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like just. Like you swimming around a something. Macro lens. A macro lens on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm a 51.2. That's how close I like to be to shit. So, I, I, yeah, I would, yeah, I would, I, 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 I would need to see. Language. Yeah. And yeah, if you ever make New York, if I make it out there again, I, I will, I will uh, bring my drone please. so you can. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things to see. It's like if you're, if you're not using it, you may not know what you're missing. And yeah. so, yeah, give yeah. it a shot. Try one out. Maybe it's like never have a massage. Once you've had a massage, you're spoiled. Yeah, right. You never know how good it is until you've had a good don't, massage. Don't get me started on massages. I, I, we're in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say, you know, I'd say Lauren. Well, Travis, you, know, you I, would tell, I would tell Lauren just, you know, look into one of the very inexpensive drones. as like a starter or get a used one. If you really just want to play with it, you know, you can get them for a few hundred dollars and, you know, see how it expands your capabilities. That's what I would say. But you were going to say. I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I was going to say Travis made a good point for someone like me who, I mean, I love the look and I, I, I love um, drone shots and 
I think, oh, it'd be amazing to have that for this project or that project. But not being that technical, I'm comfortable with my cameras. It seems far away in a, in a sense. I like Lauren's point of like being able to see what you're doing. But Travis sold it. I mean, being able to pick something up and feel comfortable with it very quickly, I think would be a huge thing for me. I would give up yep. probably quickly if it was like far too technical and took days to master <laughs> and or if um, I can easily so, nosedive it into the ground I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah, want it yeah so you know <laughs> I feel like okay this sounds this sounds compelling because I do I do think probably I would start getting you know those amazing shots and be like oh you know I see photographer I mean you every time you see a new photographer who's gotten a drone and you've never seen it in their portfolio or their work all of a sudden they have like a thousand drone shots and it snows yep. and they've got the drone shots and it's coronavirus so they've got drone shots of like empty parking lots and streets I mean you you see you know it's obvious but they're obviously a lot of fun and they do a good they're good storytellers yeah you can't do a documentary in this day and age without at least three dozen drone shots interspersed throughout right. the course of it. I don't know if there were any in right. Tiger King, but I'm sure there were. I'd have to watch it again to, to know for sure. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. It's a fun new drinking right. game. There you drink go. every time you see a drone shot. Can I just drink, yeah, drink every time I see anything? <laughs> That's my game. Sounds familiar. <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking uh, from your uh, perspective, Evelyn, in looking at this, uh, you know, the range on this thing, 6.2 miles, you could just send it out to go take pictures of, you know, the people on porches. I know. You have to leave your house. Right. Safe. Stay safe in this and quarantine then, era. Safe, yeah. Totally safe. Might be the new way. Where in D.C. you're allowed to uh, fly a drone, obviously, because I'm not sure, you know, what part of the, most of the city is off limits. But, yes, it would be a safe way to to uh, cover the, the porch, do the porch photography for yeah. sure. I'd like to approach it with macro lens, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my inherent, I would want to do, you know, get close to, but you can't. So yeah. when shooting everything with 7200. Well, you get yeah. one of those massive Soon drones to be a drone. you can stick a real camera on and just get your macro drone yeah. shots that way. Let me start with this easy, <laughs> easy up in the air. I'm not going to crash it, hopefully. Drone. How much do these cost, by the way? Just out of curiosity. I should know this, but... So the uh, Mavic uh, uh, base package, seven ninety nine, uh, was quite, quite more package, which gives you more than stuff like that. You're looking at probably you know just under a thousand. So reasonably well priced for I think what you get out of it, um, and it does have a lot of cool features. I love this you know new slow motion feature, so you can get one hundred eighty. I'm sorry, it's 1080 incredible. at you know two hundred and forty or one hundred twenty frames per second, or these eight K hyperlapses. So. I think that's neat. You know, that's kind of the things that expand the capability and give me reason to maybe like consider this for the future. Although I honestly can't think of what I would shoot from a drone in, you know, a higher frame rate because usually I'm trying to like compress the amount of frames I have and speed things up. But, you know, you can do cool things, whether it be sports or action or dancing or, you know, animals running or, you know, there's there's some really cool stuff. Even, you know, uh, there's just uh, anything that you, you, you know, wouldn't even think of that. Uh, you know, everything looks cool on slow motion, Dave. Come on. I know. I'm so just, true. again, I'm, I'm using my experience in Hawaii where I was just shooting, like, vistas, and it's like, Imagine again, going to, you know, getting on the waves in the surf or slow motion. Yeah. I mean, that's just oh, absolutely. intense. Okay, I'm booking a trip to Hawaii. You convinced me, Travis. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, what? We're all going to have don't by next week. We can't fly? What? Uh, well, actually, it was, uh, today there were zero new cases in South Korea. All the new cases were coming from outside the country. So people bringing it in from areas that perhaps have more. I don't know what 
countries might have more than us. Uh, you know, but you know they're coming into our country. So, anyways, um, all right. Any other thoughts on drones before we move on to our final topic? Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that audible silence as a cue to move on to the final. Topic <laughs> oh right, you can't see. Sorry, I shook my head. No, <laughs> I can see you. you and I have. I, I had it. Yeah. I had it on mute because my connection is is iffy. So uh, I keep talking and no one can hear me. So I'm off oh, mute now. On. All right. Well, uh, our last topic <laughs> this evening is we're talking about art photography. It's not been something we spent too much time on, but even in the world of visual journalism, there is. You know, room for the abstract, room for the artistic, uh, you know, because that's actually, you know, a category in many types of photography. It's, you know, sort of looking for the patterns in life uh, to make beautiful imagery. And so, Lauren, you know, you're you're a photographer who's an artist. Um, just kind of give us a little bit of background how you kind of got into this sort of niche of the, the world of photography. What kind of brought you here? Oh, man. So, it's like such a hard question for me to answer. Um, I stumbled upon photography. I, I wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I, my grandpa handed me a camera when I, you know, I never had that story. It was always, uh, under, undergrad was more focused on um, printmaking. And so when I got into silk screening, um, I was always very aware that I couldn't draw. And so photos were like something that were like that sort of covered up that I couldn't draw. <laughs> so I would use photos within silk screens, um, but they were never my own. And so then eventually I started to dabble with using a camera and then I started to travel. It was that first time studying abroad in South America. And again, I just had the camera because I don't know. I, I, I wasn't like I was taking myself seriously as a photographer. But for some reason, everywhere we went, the group I was traveling with would just be like, gosh, I really want to see these pictures when we get back. And I'd never really had any sort of positive response towards any art I was making at that time. And these are images no one had seen because it was all shoot, being shot on film. But I think the fact that I always had my camera and that I was shooting things that with other people who were like, man, what, wow, yeah, what, it, like, I want to see that. Um, so anyway, sorry, it's really early here and coffee is <laughs> kicking. Um, I came back from that trip and, and it was about probably like 12 rolls of film I had and I had no money to process them. So I got a job at a lab and uh, slowly started to process each role and as I started to like see the work I remember kind of thinking like hey I think I like this I like I, I like what I've made which was new for me because everything in printmaking I was doing was fun but it wasn't cool no one wanted it on their walls um, or I didn't at least uh, I just liked the process so as far as like the evolution of getting to the where I am now it it's always been about self-expression. It's always been about art, I guess. Um, and so for me, art has always been about feelings. Um, and really what pushed me to start taking photography very seriously 
was uh, doing a project on grief after having lost my mom. I, I was 18 when she passed away. And then about 10 years after that, I started, I had this urge to do a personal project about it. And that's when I, that's when I decided to like be a photographer. <laughs> so your, your degree or your main primary education was an art major. And then you had yeah. photography as something you picked up along the way and sort of self-taught. Yeah. And then I, uh, no, well, it's weird. I, I like to say I'm a little bit of both. Like, I went to grad school for photography, but at that point I was, I want to say I was almost 30, maybe early 30s. Um, so it was like I was an adult returning to school mm-hmm. uh, with <clears throat> with intent. Um, and so I had been shooting, <clears throat> I had been a photo editor, I had, I had been doing it, but I wasn't, I was always like one foot out, like maybe I'll teach, maybe I'll do it, you know, and then... Um, when I went to get my master's, the whole point was A, to buy time, because I still didn't know what I was doing in my life, and B, because I had this project I had to get out of me, and I knew that I needed to pay a lot of money to, uh, <laughs> to be disciplined. Um, and so it was in grad school that I learned more about my visual voice, but I had already known how to use the camera and whatever, if that makes any yeah, sense. Absolutely. You know, Travis, you do a lot of portraits. You're always looking for the sort of the artistic angle and what you shoot. You know, how do you uh, how do you find that? You, you you know, your work obviously shines with creativity. Where does that creativity come from? Is it is it on the day or is it sort of pre planned? Um, well, it, it really depends on the shoot. Uh, certainly, I, I am always kind of very free to uh, using inspiration uh, from past, present, and uh, whatever I get on the spot. Um, for me. Uh, the camera has always been a, a tool, uh, and I, it wasn't until later in life that I, I, I made it a profession. Um, I, it is uh, something like you know, once you kind of, kind of grasp and get that bug of being a photographer, you can have it for life, and it's a wonderful thing, and it just keeps growing, and, and you you know you learn more and, and use the tools as as far as you'll push yourself. Um, I. Uh, there's obviously many different types of photography. You know, uh, we kind of specialize uh, in this one, the form around journalism. But uh, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself. I'm not a journalist. Uh, I have done some stories and done some stuff that's gone. But uh, I'm a, I'm a I'm an image maker. I, I make images. I manipulate them. I I, I play with them. I you know, uh, like in the classics, you know, from the Ansel Adams to you know all the, the greats that uh, go into a dark room and burn and dodge. And I go into Photoshop and I create wonderful things and uh, enhance them and uh, and do things in Photoshop, uh, so I, I am all about making beautiful images and and uh, and creating things that uh, only existed in my mind and enhancing life. And uh, I think from a very early age, I was uh, always into watching TV and, and and going to the movies, and those were my places to escape and and live on different worlds and experience different people. So photography for me is very cinematic, and it allows me to uh, express myself in ways that uh, the way I see things or want to see them. So uh, it's a beautiful tool and. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I'm also chairman of American Photographic Artists in New York is because having found that later in my life and founding such fulfillment and it, it saved my soul. Photography for me was uh, the, the ultimate thing. I wake up happy every day now that I get to do something that I love so much. And if I can help people on that path or, or find something that they love so much and, and get to that point, uh, I want to do that. And uh, so photography for me is, I can't speak more highly of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, a li- I'm sorry, go ahead. 
I said preach. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, Evelyn, <laughs> you know, do you have or find that in your work you're able to focus on the artistic at all? I mean, obviously you're covering your assignments. You got to meet your editor's requirements, but, you know, uh, do you ever get the opportunity to flex that artistic side much or is it mostly just kind of getting what you need? Oh, no, I, I mean, I don't think, I think you can be a F8 and be there kind of person is the expression, but to be a good photojournalist um, and to produce, y you have to be artistic. Right. You you can go to a march and you can cover it, you know, it can be very straightforward, but you're going to have those images that set your coverage apart from other people's. So I think um, you have to be an impeccable journalist, but you also have to have a... Um, an artistic way of seeing things and um, you know it doesn't always work you know sometimes you just go and you put your camera up and it's like a snapshot you know but there's a big difference between taking snapshots and taking good photo you know good images and, and that's what a good photojournalist does I just saw this I, I, I so agree, and I couldn't. A friend of mine who uh, is a Pulitzer Prize-winning photojournalist, uh, who I've had on the show before, we've had on the show before, Alex Garcia. Um, I mean, you see all these things coming out of you know, it's it's like you know the the portrait, you know, the the uh, porch shoot now, shooting people through windows of COVID and stuff like that. And uh, he, I, he, I had him on my open talk show, and he showed some of his image that he was taking of COVID, and they're miles above everyone else i mean just the, the the framing of it the emotion of it the contact of it the the composition of it you look at these photos and like whoa that's what <laughs> you're supposed to capture yeah. and the, the, understands the language and you know the artistic artistic effect of it and it's 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 seeing that is so inspiring to see like wow you know what i it's like i never want to see another train uh, you know rail shot on any, anyone on the train tracks ever again but there's going to be someone that comes along and does it and you go Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. He can do it. You know, I think, too, like, we all start off as photojournalists, and you just think, like, being there is enough or the action is enough. And some people are just automatically have a different eye, and they always see differently. But other people, you know, you become good at what you do, and you learn to see the light or you see the composition or whatever. And I'm, I haven't seen Alex's work, but I, I totally get what you're saying, Travis. I mean, you can, you can just, you know, look at any high-level photojournalists and be like, wait, were they, you know, if you compare them to, like, a student, I took a class last year at Corcoran, and these were great young photojournalists, but if I went to the same event that they did, we'd come out with totally yeah. different things, and they were sort of still at the snap. I'd say doing a really good job of covering the action, but not quite at the next level, and it's the same as, like, do it peeling back the onion. I mean, it's like, okay, I'm there. It's not just about me being there and holding up my camera and capturing the action it's like how do you take that compelling photograph and to be good at it it has to be artistic and that's the thing i think that sometimes people don't understand about photojournalism but you've got to be creative you've got to see see the art the art and the beauty and the aesthetic and it's not always um a happy subject you know but there's still some aesthetic element that's going to elevate your photojournalism to the next level whether you're covering homeless people or you know war or you know or a happy thing whatever it might be it's uh there is beauty that you need to uh, use to tell that story, however you use yes, it. Yes, this, Evelyn. When you get to an assignment, are you looking for sort of the abstract, off-kilter, creative shot immediately? Or does that um, come over time? So, like, you know, you've got the, the shots you need and stuff, and then you start kind of going for, well, let me throw something in front of an object in front of what I'm shooting. You know, is that something you start at the beginning, or is that something that develops over time? 
Um, I think it's sort of like a, a common, the process, it sort of all comes together at the same time. It's like, okay, I need to, to tell, it's news, so I need to tell the story. So it can't be completely abstract, but how can I tell that story creatively? So I think for me, um, you know, sometimes it's just cover your ass, like the light of crap, you can't, you just can't find a way to get a good angle. It's like a portrait of a business person. I mean, it just, it doesn't always work, but your mind is racing and you're trying to, um, you're trying to do it all together. So I wouldn't say that I like shoot something real. I, I wouldn't say that I do things that are so crazy, like so abstract that I would bring it to my editor and they would be like, what is this? But I think I'm combining figuring out how to be creative, be it using the light or an angle with how do I tell this story all in one frame. And I'm trying to do it. I'm not trying to do it in steps. I'm trying to do it all at once. And then, you know, if you, you know, you might get some other crazy ideas and then you work them at the end. But um, yeah, I try not to just like go and say, okay, I'm going to just get this straightforward shot and then I'm going to work on something else. I'm trying to make kind of combine those two elements. I think I worked for an organization one time that uh, had a little bit of an issue with um, let's say our photographers being a little bit too artsy fartsy, if you will, and uh, kind of coming back with Mm -hmm. work that was beautiful and just, you know, sung off the page. But the people who um, let's say hired them, they wanted straightforward work because they were using it for a specific purpose. So, uh, yeah, as long as you can balance those two, I think you'd be fine. Um, it back. You have to know your client yeah. also. I, mean, I was going to say, yeah, that's just yeah. a matter of art direction. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's sometimes when you're in a situation where you don't have the clear direction, it's kind of like just, hey, you know, cover this subject. And, you know, coming back with stuff that I'm sure in their, you know, full take, they had tons of typical, normal, modern stuff, you know, regular stuff. But, you know, they wanted to kind of highlight the stuff that they thought was more creatively exciting and visually interesting. And we're in the subject and the the client wanted, no, I just want typical run of the mill stuff for my work for, you know, telling the story. I don't need the I don't need to see through a hole in the wall. To go through, I mean... I get that a lot. I mean, I always always do, like, say I have an hour with a subject or something, like, and it's an assignment. I'll give this assignment, like, 40 minutes for the client, right? That's me executing what was asked, getting the job done. And then that last 20 minutes is for me. Yeah. And that's usually when I put on the 50, 1.2, open it wide open and do my thing. And most of the time, uh, well, now most of the time, people want yeah. that, right? Yeah. But, but back in the day, it was like that was just me basically being like, here's a like, here's who I am, um, and and it was just sort of like a note that was like you knew they weren't going to use it, <laughs> but you wanted them to know who you yeah. were, right? So I I always I always like give them what they want and then give them what they didn't know they need. Yeah. Lauren, <laughs> That's my Lauren goal. on your website, you've divided yeah. up your sort of sections into portraits, feelings, and eye candy. Uh, what's up with that? No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, like, you I know. Know, explain, you know, kind of like, that's obviously not. I know. My rep is like, can we see that? <laughs> it's obviously not your typical, like, you know, portrait news, whatever, you know, but I mean, just curious, like, what was your sort of methodology there? It's obviously interesting. I think it's very um, interesting. There are, yeah, it's hard because I used to have a lot of method <laughs> and that was always so much built for the client. And like 
to this day, I mean, even my rep is like, I think we should make feelings lifestyle. And I agree, right? Like when it comes to getting work and someone needing to just go to what they, you know, a photo editor or a photo director or creator, you know, they just want to go to the damn thing and know what's what. And feelings, you might have to decode. Um, So sometimes I do like... As much as I try and take the path of least resistance, I do sometimes like to make shit harder. Um, but yeah, there there really wasn't a myth- like a method behind that. It was just more about being more refined about what it is I want to be hired to do, um, and kind of what we were just all saying about you know making creative shots like. To me, uh, I yes, I need to capture what it what we saw, or like what it is that I saw. But I also need to capture what it felt like to be there. And so that, to me, my creativity is always driven by my feelings, um, no matter what I'm doing. <laughs> so that's why, I, like, literally, I was working with the uh, the web designer and we were just like talking about my work and I was like, I don't know. Can we just name it feelings for the time being? I just needed like a bookmark. And he was like, yeah, that's great. And I'm so used to people being like, okay, that's kind of weird. We can't do that. And so the fact that he thought he was like, okay, he thought that's what I really, he, he was like cool with it. And so then I let it, I just let it go. But then I panicked about it. And he's like, you know that like at any moment you can change it. So it's funny that it's coming up because literally my rep and I just talked about it. And I was like, I know I can change it any day if we need to. But uh, the other thing was the iPhone. Like I shoot so much on this damn thing that's in my pocket every day, everywhere. Right. And I think like the best camera is the camera you always have with you. And so this has become this, like we were just saying, Travis, like the smartphone thing, like you just kind of want to get rid of it, yet I think it, were, it was me and you saying that, but um, but you, it, it's just always there. And so to use that as a resource, I've started to notice that, well, shit, if this thing is always on my hand and I'm always shooting with it, I should build it a category because I would love to shoot with it for work you know like it's a different point of view and and you get a different version of me as far as like who I am and how I'm approaching a subject with an iPhone versus my Yashica or Mamiya or Canon whatever I'm using um those cameras tend to be big and very obvious um and so yeah I, I wanted to make a section that was um about the iPhone, <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, like it's like okay, well, shit. If I'm using this thing, let's let's uh, let's get some assignments. There's, there's, you know, they, they pack a lot of power and they're a lot of fun to use. They sort of bring you back to that creativity point in your career where, you know, I think as photographers, uh, when we start out, we're extremely creative and then we kind of realize, oh, we have to be technical and understand the camera, and then that technical circle that was so perfect is now 
trying to sync up with this technical one. So the creative and technical are all out of whack. And then you're like, you can't get them back in sync. And finally, you learn your camera so much that you forget about the technical and you can go back to the creative. And that takes a long time to get those two back in sync. And the iPhone allows you just to whip it out and do so many creative things without almost thinking about anything else that it is, it's a fun camera to use. And it's a good one. Yeah, no, I, I like the way you put that. I've, I've never been able to finesse that balance. Um, and and the thing about the iPhone for me is that it's like, it's, like I said, it's always there, right? And so, um, it, so there's always a shot. And, 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 and I'm not shooting through the this, right? So, uh, sorry, I should say that since if no one's seeing. I'm not shooting through a viewfinder, Um I'm I'm like whole. It's such a different relationship of how I'm seeing. So I do think that it's a different. It's like it's almost like when I'm using a Polaroid. It's like, all right, we know this can only go one of five ways. <laughs> so <laughs> so stand three feet away from me, and let's see what happens. Whereas like you know, so that's it. I am a different person when I'm using that camera versus this iPhone. That's just this like third hand. It's just yeah. like it's always there. Um, so I'm I'm way more like flexible and creative. Like I'm just like, sure, let's try it. Whereas when I'm shooting film, I'm not only am I scanning every single thing in that one frame, but there's only a certain amount of those frames, and I'm being very mindful about pushing that shutter. Mm-hmm. Whereas with with the iPhone, I can. I can like attack a subject. <laughs> so, what iPhone are you using? What's your iPhone of choice, or what iPhone do you have down? Oh man, I'm so proud that you. That this is timing is everything. I finally have like the new one. Um, I had a, a 6s up until a it's month ago. A, it's quite an improvement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like actually, it was funny. That's I was whole new Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I finally upgraded. Let's just put it that way. But um. I have, I don't know, what is this? The yeah. ele- mm-hmm. Is that the 11? The 11S yeah, the Pro. Pro Max or something. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't do that. Yeah, I, I mean, but again, with the technical, well, and I was going to say, on the technical level, I don't care. Like, in fact, most of the stuff on that iCandy page, I should put iPhone 6S. <laughs> because, like, you know, it again, like, so long as the thing captures light, I'm cool. But John like, iPhone. like, <laughs> yeah, iPhone success. <laughs> but no, now I now I got this new guy, and um, yeah, you're loving that tri lens setup, huh? I don't know. I mean, I don't. Here's what I don't like. Uh, the color is weird. Like the con, like there's some sort of like, it, there's something happening to the image that that is in camera. Yeah. Well, it's your three different that sensors. Feels so. like. If they're not all calibrated correctly, yeah, and, then you can have that color shift. Yeah, and so for me, it's like, I just like raw shit, and then I will manipulate. Yeah. But like, so I'm finding that my raws on, on the iPhone are like, flat sometimes, mm. maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not the iPhone shooter extraordinaire like probably Travis is, but... Uh, Definitely a lot of AI that goes into the iPhone in terms of the way it processes and the way you know it, it discerns uh, information. So you're probably seeing something, and also you're going from a completely 
four generations, five generations, <laughs> six generations back, you know, to a, a phone. So it's going to be it's going to be that uh, that quick yeah. shock. I think that's going to look very different than the, what you're used to because you know it what is. It is no, I I feel like when I'm looking through it and I see what the phone is doing to correct, I'm like, oh, you're doing that for like the commoner, mm. <laughs> like who's who's like overexposing or whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. like I will control all this. Please Experiment just, like, with uh, the Lightroom, download Lightroom uh, mobile for it and uh, play with the camera from that. And uh, there's a couple other cameras on there that you'll really like. Use the Lightroom one. My, my there's also one. some apps uh, apps on there that you can download <laughs> that give you more control over the exposure and whatnot. So other settings. So look into that. Um, cool. You know, okay. a lot of people say the best camera is Taking the notes. one you have on you, but I like to think the best camera is the one I have to drive to my house to get and then load up into the car with the tripod and the flash. <laughs> and then I have to get to a location, then set up everything, and then set up the camera, load the batteries, make sure the batteries are charged memory cards in there make sure the memory cards cleared off and you know set up the flash that's the best camera no anyways um well and i will say like it I, again to kind of debunk the the best camera is the one that you have on you i i love the camera that makes me yeah. happy to use which is generally my film camera absolutely uh yeah i used to keep a camera on me all the time and with phones that's that's the one i have on me all the time but anyways uh let's uh let's wrap up this week's show jump to our conclusion and uh, basically just uh, let everybody know where they can find more about themselves. Uh, Lauren, where can people find about more about you and your work? Well, you can find all those weird little categories on uh, <laughs> on uh, just my name, laurencrew.com. Same with Instagram. I think same with Twitter. Um, yeah. Also, how does one get a rep? Oh, that's a different show. Okay, save um, that for a different episode. But because because like that's like how do you fall in oh, love? Okay, right. Like I I think that's the way my approach is with it. Like I I never could get a yeah. rep. The rep we we found each other oh. right. So, and I'm 39 now. I got signed when I was 38. So for the first time ever. So like you know there's there's. Everyone has a whole different story and journey. I've, I've seen people in their 20s get signed right from the gate. Wow. But, like, um, yeah, it's a long story, oh, actually. Okay. Well, we'll have to have you come back on to talk that story. I'm 39 <laughs> as well, so yay, last year of our 30s. Woohoo! Woo! Yes! All right, we got to live it up. Loving it. <laughs> All right, well, we'll make sure to have that link in the show notes as well as to your Instagram and Twitter accounts. Thank you guys so yeah, much. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having um, Travis, what do you got to throw you. out there before we sign off? Anything? Oh, you know, just hanging around the house and, uh, you know, just having some fun. Do, doing your Zoom <laughs> open talks, right? You up to what episode now? I am. We're up to nine weeks into a, a, our new show. Uh, so this week we have wonderful guests, uh, um, some incredible uh, photographers, and uh, basically Open Talk is to kind of talk about the age of photography the, in in COVID yeah. uh, and uh, how the, we're all dealing with that, where we came from, how we're dealing with it now, and what we're shooting, and what we think the right. future is going to be. So it's it's a really good discussion, and each week we continue that with a new panel. Um, so I'm really excited. And that's Thursdays What's at eight o'clock. Travis, sorry. Open, <laughs> open Talk. Open talk. That's yeah. cool. Because follow, follow me on Facebook, and you can find uh, find the link there all the time, and I'll send it to you as well. Yeah, it's just one big open Zoom oh. call, pretty much. Open quote unquote. No, open, no, right. No, no, that one is full on webinar. It's a, it's only a panel. Oh, okay. So it, it, in terms of 
meeting. It's not a Zoom meeting or anything like that. It is a, there, we do have a live uh, room where people can ask questions towards the end, but uh, it, it's it's basically exactly this with a live audience. You know, they can ask questions, but uh, they don't get to be, you know not through audio. It's a Q and A panel and stuff like that on the side. So I'll have someone monitoring uh, the questions that and they'll ask the questions as they come in. Cool, cool. And is that something you plan to continue after this whole COVID crisis is, I mean, done and over? Um, I, it, I think so. Uh, it's uh, It's been a pretty incredible place just to openly kind of talk about, uh, not, you know, it's, it's we so much get into talking about uh, the business or this, that, and the other. This is really kind of to just talk about, about fears and emotions and how we're dealing with things and where we've been and just literally it's open talk. So, I mean, if someone wants to say, I you really know what, I'm like that. Right really frightened about the future or this week I you know this is how I got inspired you know just talking about being positive you know being positive doesn't mean waking up in the morning going this is going to be the best day ever it means it's going to be light at the end of the tunnel things are going to be okay so it's really important to know and and, and for me it was uh, about creating a place where the community could support each other because it's it's a tough road for a photographer pre-covid now it's even more important for the community for us to support each other and know we're not alone and it's okay to be okay and we're and they're you know, other people going through the same thing and we're going to get through this together. Awesome. Great. I also like, sorry, I'm jumping Please. in. I also like, the idea, I'm really excited to, to check it out because for me, at least, I like the idea of a place where we're actually also talking about ourselves as image makers specifically right now and moving forward. Because it's yeah. not like, oh, things are changing. It's like shit changed, period. What, so what's now is now that you take, you know, um, you know, portrait photographers or event photographers, and now they're stuck inside. What are they doing? How are they? How are they creating? What are they creating? And some of the stuff that people are doing now is probably I've had people on there like this. I'm creating some of the best stuff I've ever done in my life, and uh, and and some of the projects they're doing are unbelievable. Uh, so this, it's an exciting time as well as a scary time. Speaking cool. of unbelievable projects, Evelyn, what do you got on your plate? Oh boy. Uh. <laughs> It's slow, I tell you. I did a great assignment last week, but I can't, in this crazy COVID world, I don't know what this week holds for the freelance photojournalist based in Washington, D.C. You know, I, Congress is returning. Yeah, I heard about that. So, you know, maybe I'll be down on the hill. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just got to play it, you know, day by day and just survive and hang out and try to be positive and, you know, enjoy enjoy the different things that this time period has to offer. But it's good. It's all Sweet. good. Nothing specific happening. Okay, great. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank our guest, Lauren Crew, for taking time out to be on the show. Uh, we really appreciate it, Lauren. You're always welcome back. Thank you, guys. Take awesome. care. All right. Well, for Travis okay. Keys Thanks, and Lauren. Evelyn Hochstein, I am David J. Murphy. This has been Around the Lens, Episode 223, and we are out. Thanks for listening to Around the Lens. We hope you enjoyed the show. To continue the conversation, head on over to one of our social media outlets such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter. To support the show financially, consider donating to us via Patreon. For show notes from this week's episode and links to everything else we talked about, just go to our website, AroundTheLens.com. Finally, if you or someone you know might be a good guest for the show, get in touch with us via email at info at AroundTheLens.com.